Blog Talk Radio. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. I am very, very excited because, you know, today's Friday. Now, in, in my world, a Friday is pretty much the same as a Tuesday. It never ends. I Some days I feel like Lucy working in the chocolate factory. It just keeps happening and happening. Uh, no, but it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but, yeah. It is Friday. We're doing a uh, – we rarely do shows on Friday uh, just because of everybody else's schedule, really. But we we lucked out today. We lucked out today. This is a very – we have a very cool guest on today um, who made, a, a couple of years ago, a very cool um, movie. Now, I saw this movie uh, back in when I was in college, back – Way back in the day, folks, way back in the day. And it is uh, really a cult classic. It, it, it became such, and it's, been, it's being re-released. And to everybody's, everybody's very pleased about that. Um, like I said, it's kind of hard to find, uh, but a very cool movie. Uh, it's called The LAA's Jabber. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome the um, director of it, uh, Mr. Drew uh, Gattaris. I hope I'm saying that correctly, Drew. I could be carving it up, though. Well, you know, um, Jamie, uh, I answer pretty well to anything. Uh, my name is Drew Gattaris, and uh, but uh, anything that sounds close, usually, usually people say Gattaris. I say, no worries, you know, I just say, and some people who know me well, they just go, hey, you, you know, and that, that works as well. Ah. <laughs> but, uh, I wanted to say with that great opening intro music that you chose, I wanted to say, okay, do you feel lucky, young man? What do you think? You know, it's Clint Eastwood, right? Shades shades of uh, of Eastwood. So, no, that's great. Listen, thank you so very, very much, young man, for uh, uh, having me on your your show and uh, consider it a great honor. And uh, the uh, – what can I start by by telling you? You know, the movie was made uh, initially in 19 – uh, 94 is when it had its release, and it was basically sitting on the shelf after having a very short um, life originally on video, in video stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 30 years later, uh, uh, much to my good fortune, it was discovered by uh, Rob Housechild at Wild Eye Releasing and asked if it was available. And I said, yes, let me dust it off, and we'll uh, see what we can do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we are. And uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm happy to to answer any any questions you might have regarding the project. It, it's kind of a it's I call it the OG pandemic movie, you know the uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, and it you know the timing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, <laughs> so, that's very that's true. That's what I think about. That's very yeah, true. Great. Yeah. And a lot of our, how long have you been? You know, I go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've been great. I love this film. A lot of our listeners, especially younger ones, um, I grew up in the 80s, and okay. I was part of that generation that, um, you know, we uh, we discovered girls, and then everybody told us, uh, well, don't touch them, 
because you'll you'll die. At the time, no one yeah. knew. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of misinformation, just a lot of unknown. I, I don't want to say misinformation. There was a lot of unknown information. Um, I, I'm telling you, Drew, I remember my parents sitting, the, me and my sisters at the kitchen table down, you know, family mm-hmm. meeting, one of those deals, and telling us not to use drinking fountains and stuff, or public washrooms. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, and that sounds crazy now, but at the time, people didn't know. Well, said, you know was, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's funny that I, uh, interesting quick story behind this, uh, Jamie, is I did quite a bit of acting in the 80s, and my wife passed uh, in 88 at 31. She died of something oh. called non-A, non-B hepatitis, which now is hepatitis C, and they can, you know, keep it under control. But back then, it was a, you know, it was kind of a death sentence, mm. and they were testing something called interferon, but fortunately, it didn't take, went from her liver to her kidneys, and she passed. I had a two-year-old boy, and I had to mm. figure out a way way that I could keep he and I alive without doing a lot of traveling. I had nobody to look after him because I was doing a lot of traveling with this acting stuff I was doing. So I got out of that, and then I said, how can I keep my foot still in that industry? So I decided I would write this script, uh, find the actors through uh, something called Dramalogue, which was something that existed in L.A. at that time, where non-union actors were looking for work to get a reel or a, a VHS tape on themselves so that they could show the cast and directors and so forth. So I cast it, um, got the actors. It was agreed upon that we'd probably be working on weekends because we all had to figure out ways in the interim to uh, make a living. And uh, <clears throat> I cast it, and then I started to shoot it on 16-millimeter film with the idea of blowing it up to 35-millimeter and maybe showing it in you know some art house theaters or something like that. But... Um, what happened is the film camera that I had broke down uh, oh, no. one reel into shooting, and I had no money to fix it. But, mm. thank God, I was shooting video simultaneously, and the reason I was doing that was as a cost-saving measure. It's done pretty well all the time now with what they call a video tap that goes into the film camera, and they can mm. immediately see what they've shot. Back then, that wasn't the case. So what I did it was shooting video simultaneously, and I would watch the video back, to see that I got the oh, yeah? that I needed to save money for the film, and then I would proceed to the next shot. Well, uh, because of that, I had the option of either stopping filming or continuing the film. So I just shot it on video and obviously limited my release to video stores and so forth, but that's, that's okay. But how the, 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 the genesis of the story, if I could tell you this very quickly, is this. We were in oh, the middle yeah. of the age. We got all the time in the uh, world. Okay. We were in the middle of the age pandemic here. We're talking 19... 19- 89, 1990, when I mm-hmm. wrote this thing, and I said, what can I do to be somewhat controversial? And I didn't want to do anything uh, where I was pointing any fingers at any particular groups because uh, back then it was a disease that a lot of, of gay individuals were picking up, and right. there seemed to be a lot of onus on gay people that they were responsible for spreading it. But no, no, it was... Across the board, people were getting it left and right, from blood transfusion, heterosexual people, people of all persuasion. So I didn't want to cast a, a dark shadow upon anybody. So I was thinking, how could I do something to bring attention to this scourge that was, uh, you know, going around in our country without really offending anybody? And I said, well, you know, it could be a young kid that has a, uh, 
a blood transfusion and picks it up that way. So I wrote the story with that in mind. But um, the interesting part is, is I was thinking, well, how could I really make this into kind of a horror thriller thing? Well, what he does is he starts to lose it once he's told because it was a death sentence back then. People who contracted AIDS, yeah, there was no mixture of cocktail type they have now that could, you know, keep it in remission. Long story short, um, the kid developed. And it wasn't wasn't a a, a pleasant thing. I mean, and it wasn't presented as such. You know, I mean, I remember seeing Mm -hmm. imagery of, uh, unfortunately, people that that contracted it, you know, on the news and and this and that magazines and what have you. And, you know. Their, their their sheets are sticking to their bodies and, you know, mm-hmm. not in a casual way and sleeping sore. All gone to they, all this, uh, they're all, all gone to they look like they were uh, concentration camp survivors, you know, because they had lost absolutely. all their weight. Oh, yeah, just oh, awful. Oh, yeah. And uh, so we, we went then with the premise, or I went ahead with the premise of figuring, okay, well, let's say he just loses it emotionally. So we know he's unhinged we find out that he's unhinged anyway. And then he creates a list. He says, look, if I'm going to go and this is the end of it all, and I'm going to take a few people with me. So he creates a list and goes ahead and systematically sticks these people, including random people. And then of course right. the cops get on the, on the case. And you know, the big, the big thing at the end of the movie is we find out it was a misdiagnosis. The lab screwed up. So uh, he right. was shot and maybe killed, but maybe we're not sure. He might resurface sometime in the future. You never know. <laughs> right. So, uh, he might, ladies and gentlemen, be in the very theater you're watching this film in right now. No, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's in the yeah, kitchen. Oh. <laughs> you know what you know was, was great running... about this, Drew? Go ahead. What was ahead. great about this yeah. film is, hmm. you know, we had, towards the end of the 80s, we had seen it. We had seen it all, really. I mean, you know, you, you had the camp counselor, or, you know, the, the, the psycho killing camp counselors. You had the, the family in Texas chain. You know, we'd been through it all. You even had the, the guy in your dreams in Nightmare of Elm Street, you know. And right. your film really wasn't a slasher, but it was more terrifying, I think, um, you know, given Jeff, uh, the main character, Jeff, the, the young guy, his situation because everybody could see that he was an understandable, relatable character. If if you were told yeah. tomorrow, well, this is, this is it, you know, you're done. And then mm-hmm. people just continually piss you off, you know, bosses yeah. or the guy that cuts you off in traffic or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, it sounds like 2022 you think a little doesn't differently it, huh? on though. <laughs> I'm Absolutely, and that's what Absolutely. that was the genius of this film, in my opinion. I love this film. I well, thought you, it was fantastic. You know, you, you know it. It and not only that, uh, Jamie. Let me tell you, there's something very interesting that happened a couple of years later. I remember hearing a couple of reports of people. I think one was in New York City. It was going around, mm. and his blood was contaminated with AIDS, and he was sticking people with needles. So I don't know if that's a direct result of this movie, which didn't have huge exposure. I mean, it was in some video stores, but it didn't, you know, have the exposure it might have had if it, if it went theatrical. And, um, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, it's a great snapshot of that time period in LA and also uh, the styles, the, 
you know, the, the, the people walking around the streets, you know, you can really get a flavor. And when I went back last year, I did something called Then and Now. And what it was, mm. was a voiceover narration, and it's on the back of the back end of the movie, uh, showing the locations as they are now, and then they cut in the locations from the original movie, and you'll see that most of them are, are not even recognizable anymore. And the graffiti over wow. the sections of town have changed <laughs> demographics and crime-ridden. and I mean, it's just unbelievable. L.A. these days is like a Mad Max, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I, I've got a good friend of mine that lives in Venice, and uh, okay. he was – he. oh, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Continue with this. Yeah, I, I have a good friend of mine that lives in Venice, and he was, you know, just telling me – I haven't been to L.A. I moved to Florida from uh, from Southern California, San Diego area. Uh, but, oh, okay. I lived in San Diego, and I lived out there, and that means I was in L.A. Nice every weekend because – I mean, it's all right. It's, I, people ask me – and I'm not – Crashing San Diego, don't send me emails, everybody. Um, but people ask me to describe it, and I said, it's kind of, imagine Cincinnati with a beach. There's not a lot of excitement. <laughs> it's beautiful, <laughs> but there's yeah. just not a lot of action going on. You know, if, you, if, you're, no, into, it, if, you're, if you're a young person and you want to go clubbing and stuff like that, yeah. you got to go to L.A., man, preferably out by the Oh, oh yeah. Um, and just, for just, just a, uh, you know, a, a word about Cincinnati. I was in Dayton last uh, mm. uh, uh, a week, a few days ago, and I saw the magnificent, wonderful Bonnie Raitt uh, doing a oh, concert really? there at the uh, at a kind of an open-air amphitheater, and wow, she still has it, you know, and she's uh, just a tremendous talent. So she fits in in the sense that she is a product of that time period when I produced uh, the movie and directed it because that... Mm was one I believe she got the Grammys in 89 or 90. So that's just a little side note there. But so, but I understand oh, what you mean yeah. about Cincinnati because cause Dayton is kind of, uh, uh, you know, very close to that area. So it's, yeah. It's, and, and boy, you well, talked about right, humidity, though. I guess. It's... <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm telling you. That's a, everybody in California, I grew up in Detroit. So everybody, when I moved oh, yeah. to Florida, they're like, why the hell are you moving to Florida? I'm like, I don't know. Ah. You know I met a girl and I said, um, no, yeah, sure. You know, and, cool. and, and the reality is, you know, the right. reality, Drew, is and you'll you'll understand this as a Southern California guy. Um, one sure. day, I was doing my uh, my budget for the month, you know, and um, mm-hmm. losing more hair after I realized how much I was, you know, spending every month to live in Southern California. <laughs> I and understand that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's it's. Because you don't realize it when you're, you're just doing it. And then, you know, I had that epiphany moment where I'm like, I've been spending how much a month for the last 10 years? Are you, you know, then you start adding and you're like, oh, my God. And my plan, I'm like, I could move to like Pigeon Forge or someplace and live like a king. Yeah. A king, I right. tell you, for what I'm spending here. Right. So that was you the have plan. Been smart. And, mm-hmm. well, kind of. not. But, but here's where my, my true intelligence comes out. So I had a friend of mine that, you know, I was on the East Coast checking places out to see where I wanted to move to, right. you know, and live like a king. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's sure. in Florida, and she said, hey, before you get tired of the East Coast and move back to California, you know, where it's nice, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> that you got to pay for, but it's nice, um, come visit me in Florida. So I did, met a girl, and here I am living in a place 
I'm not spinning as much as I was in Southern California, but absolutely it's not. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And and you know, much to your credit, you do you know when I shot this movie, we shot all over uh, Southern California, but but mostly within the San Fernando, San Gabriel Valley, and we were shooting right? on weekends. Do you know we had guys with guns? that were actually running down the street chasing our bad guy. And, of course, if we had been caught doing that with this run-and-gun right. gorilla stuff, we would have been, and we're out there shooting, you know, without, you know, a permitted situation most of the time. And, and so but we were taking chances. But, you know, it turned out okay, and it is what it is. I mean, this is something that uh, phenomenal cast, you know, and we have a situation. I don't know if you're familiar with, You've seen the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I saw right it back in the, in the 90s, center. and I just saw it this, this last week <laughs> when I watched it okay. before the show. So I well, I did, a, I did an interview with somebody a little bit earlier, and <clears throat> the, the question was, was broached, why did the detective change in the middle of the movie? You've got these two detectives, and, you know, they were working well together, you know, the original mm-hmm. set, but then all of a sudden, midway through the movie, the one disappears, and the captain with the new detective is up knocking on our police uh, detective's door at night, informing her that her partner is no longer around, was killed in an auto accident, and on and on and on. Well, interesting story behind that, I'll tell you. The guy that we were using was a wonderful actor, but there were some scheduling conflicts. And the way that I mm. had to do everything, I had to work extra hard to get everybody together at one time, do whatever scenes we had to do for that one particular session, and then everybody would go about, you know, whatever else they had to do on a weekend and then go back to work on the following week. So what I was relegated to do was to make sure that everybody would show up, and everybody did. But unfortunately, this young man, um, and, well, he wasn't so young. I mean, I was that same age as he was, but he had other commitments and other things that he had to do that were interfered. So because of that, mm. uh, it was a situation that we could, you know, could no longer use use him in, in the way that we'd like to be able to finish because the, his scheduling was conflicting. So I said, hey, I got to do something. So for right. one of the cast members, I forget who that was, they went ahead and uh, said, well, look, we know another guy named Justin Mack. <laughs> uh, he's a good little actor, so. I interviewed him, and yeah, he was perfect. So, boom, we had our thing. But that, there you know, you a go. lot of people making a movie could be a, a a real thing. But I think the interesting clincher about this movie is in in the end, when we find out it's a misdiagnosis, that the lab right. screwed up, right? That never had anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, how frightening is that? And I mean, with all these people that have been been victimized, so that's you know. That, but I think the interesting correlation, Jamie, is this. Here we are now, and the timing couldn't be more perfect. We have this scourge running around this COVID that it seems like even if you've been vaccinated and you've been masking, you oh, know. Yeah. You, you, I know people are still getting it. Absolutely. Yeah. I ran into somebody the other day, you know, that, that had it. They've been up to date. They're religiously wear their mask, and, and boom. Well, the nice thing is, is that... This film um, was there was that same type of stuff going on during that time, and you know people mm. were just the abst- abstinence was the operating word. And what I decided I was going to do 
I didn't, as I said before, didn't want to cast any any shadows on anybody's uh, lifestyle because, you know, they do what they, uh, you know, feel is right. I mean, it's not up to me to tell anybody that they need to be a, a, a particular, you know, a, a particular way, no, right? You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the same way. all roads lead to Rome. You do whatever makes you happy as long as you don't hurt anybody. So I did not want to cast that out there. So what I did is I picked the other scenario. Somebody could pick it up through a, a blood transfusion, and that was perfect because what it did is it shows that there are other people out there that could pick it up that has nothing to do with anybody's real sexuality. It has to do with it's one of these things that, that hits people that are careful and even people that are not. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot j-a-m-i-e-r-o-x-x dot u-s Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you 
to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Ruxgear, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings from La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. So oh, there we go. Completely. Completely. Yeah, so I remember kind of being a, a kid mm-hmm, and you right. would see news stories. You know, people were taking baseball bats and stuff to, to gay P L B T whatever oh, now, yeah. uh, as they call it. And and just because of this. And then I remember mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing a couple stories like that that were on the news. They were on the news. People this yeah. has happened to yeah. people terribly. Well, and then well, um, one of my favorite. That... Go ahead. Oh, go... oh no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I just I just wanted to mention that there were I think a couple of stories as well, Jamie, uh, after the movie, uh, where there was a guy going around New York City and in some other city, and he had he had AIDS and he was taking blood and injecting people with a needle, you know. And I can't no. claim yeah. any credit for, or I wouldn't even attempt to do that, but I mean. Uh, there are people out there that are just completely insane like that that would, uh, you, you know, do stuff like that. So it's, yeah. Anyway, it was, go ahead it with was what a crazy time. Mm-hmm. It was a so crazy was. time. Well, I remember seeing a story about, you know, where, where people, you know, were beating up people and stuff. And then I'm a bit of, right. I, especially back when I was a kid, I was uh, a real bit of a nerd. Um, one of my favorite science fiction authors, Isaac Asimov, got mm-hmm. AIDS. And everybody was like, what? What, what, Isaac yeah. Asimov, wow, he's been married to his wife 40-some years. It, and mm-hmm. he had had a, uh, I think it was a heart surgery or something, and he got, yeah. they mixed up the blood or whatever, and he, he got it yeah. that way. And exactly like mm-hmm. you were you were saying. And, and right. it didn't really affect anybody. And people just didn't uh, know. That was, it, it almost reminded you, you remember when the Tylenol scare happened? Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. People this were, is one of, everybody... This is an, walking around with headaches. Go ahead. Yeah. Know, oh, absolutely. Is, right. Well, the thing about the AIDS uh, epidemic, and just like the COVID, it's an equal opportunity um, insidious virus. I mean, it, it has no demographic mm-hmm. that it approaches. It, right. It doesn't care. You know, <laughs> yeah, young or old or, 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 you know, whatever. I mean, it just doesn't care. It just, it, it, it's there. It, it almost makes you wonder if, it's the luck of the draw uh, that, you know, some people get certain things. You know, I talked uh, with a friend of mine this morning about something unfortunate. There was a 13-year-old boy that uh, was the son of his best friend and was crossing his bike in the crosswalk yesterday. There were, a, in Washington State, there were a couple mm. of cars that were stopped. There was a car in an opposing lane coming. He didn't see the boy, and he hit him, and he killed him. So, you know, I mean, it's, mm. uh, it's just yeah, absolutely... It yeah, tragic, but 
But the nice thing is about this this movie, uh, Jamie, is it's a snapshot of L.A. in the 90s. It's rough around the oh, edges. It's it's gritty. You know, it's got the elements of kind of like keeping you on the edge of your seat. Absolutely. And it's um, and, and there's comic relief thrown in every so often. People are like, how could it be oh, comic absolutely. relief? I'm, I'm just saying, when I went, when, when the, I think it was the second scene that the doctor was in, <laughs> right. you know, they, the, the scene cuts yeah. to him. He's making out with his nurse. And I'm going, eh, yeah. should have been a doctor. Should have been a doctor. <laughs> right. And he's like, I need you to call not, these this guy. And <laughs> well, not only that, oh. but they, I think, I think they went, went on to have some kind of relationship to these two. You know, yeah. they, they met on the set, <laughs> met on the set. But what's so very, very interesting about this is, do you know that um, um, in that shot, do you remember the skeleton on, on the doctor's desk? I wasn't too bright. I wasn't too bright. That's a chiropractic skeleton of a spine. And like a dummy, I didn't know that. So I, what happened is I had a friend that had another friend that was a chiropractor, and he allowed us to shoot the scene there. So a medical doctor giving this guy diagnosis for AIDS from a chiropractic office? I mean, come on. <laughs> so that is the, that's well, the funny also kind of like that. a faux pas. Right. The, the funny part uh, here in our house, I um, I was watching the film and um, you know on the big TV and whatnot in the other room, you know our little right. setup that we have when we watch these. And uh, my wife, I told her about it. She wasn't turned off about the horror aspect of it. She was turned off about the the age. She's she's 15 years younger than me, and you know whenever I watch anything from the 90s or the 80s or anything, she's like, oh god, here we go, you know. Um, Right. If it's not on TikTok, you know what I mean? But anyway, she was walking through the room, and she's like, there's mm-hmm. my spine. And so the other, the day before that, um, I'm an ex-smoker, and now I do these vape things, and there's a vape store we go to where I get my stuff for that. And right next to it's an antique store. And so we're walking right. into the vape place, and in the window, they had this, the spine with the pelvis and everything you know, from the chiropractic, yeah. just like the one that yeah. yeah. we yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. And she, yeah. and we're weirdo, you know, we're weird artists and stuff. And she's like, right. and so our house kind of reflects that. And she's like, oh, I really want yeah. that. I'm like, we're not buying a yeah. spine for the house. I mean, your parents no. think we're weird enough. <laughs> we're not doing it, yeah. you know? And I kind of put my well, you know, the down. Thing, the thing she's about like, this... it's a sign. We have to get the spine. <laughs> yeah. Now we might have to go buy it. Thanks, well, you know what the, the thing is about this? This is really, it's a snapshot in time, this movie. I chose to release it under the name Jabber initially instead of L.A.A. Mm. Jabber. It's the Rob at uh, Wild Eye Releasing, Rob Housechild. Is. You know Rob, mm-hmm. do you? It's to his credit. Only through reputation. Said, no. Only through reputation. Okay that we released it under the original name, L.A. AIDS Jabber, because I had two versions with one with a title L.A. AIDS Jabber and the other Jabber, and I was a little concerned about releasing it under the, the L.A. AIDS Jabber thing. So that's a bonus. People now are getting the mm. opportunity to see this movie, uh, especially if you buy the collector's edition and so forth, you will see the... Uh, um, you know, I believe the original box art is is in the collector's edition of the oh, of yeah. the actual movie box cover with the uh, uh, Jabber title, 
And the eyes in that box were my eyes. I wanted to ah! personalize it. So <laughs> what I did is I went ahead and put my eyes in the front, looking up over the glass. And, you know, back then to do graphic design, that was tough stuff. It wasn't like that. Oh, yeah, you this didn't guy. have computers. Nobody had computers back then. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. they might, but they were real rich if they did, you know. You know, I had to buy 1,800 yeah. boxes for that movie. That's what was the minimum order. 1,800 boxes it cost me a fortune, and then I had to run off minimum 100 VHS tapes at a time if I wanted to save any money at all. So it was, it, it was really, you know, a major undertaking. But the bottom line is, little did I know that this would relate so well to the times that we're going through now. So this is something that the oh, snapshot... It comes around. Absolutely. It comes it's around. a snapshot of that period in time, you know? I mean, because you've got familiarity with that with that time frame, and, and so do I. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I see people now, and they, you know, you tell them the title, they go, what the fuck, Ella? What the fuck is that? You know, pardon my French. What's, what's Ellie Age Jabber? You know, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really even know that that thing existed. So mm-hmm. you explain, you know, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, and that's like the modern-day COVID. So, you know, what? I, maybe the next movie will, will, will be uh, AIDS meets COVID. <laughs> you know, God knows, right? But anyway, so that's <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so I that's good. A, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I saw this in, in, when I was in college, and the only reason I did is I mm-hmm. had a roommate in college, um, Jay Broomfield, and he um, okay. he was a horror guy. You know, you know okay. the type. Uh, you know, it just yeah. has everything horror. And uh, and knows yeah. that, you know, hard to watch movie with because they just complain about everything. You know, that guy's right. pancreas is the wrong color. You know, that I'm like, how do mm-hmm. you know what a pancreas looks like? But anyway, he was that kind of guy. Right. And he had worked mm-hmm. at a uh, at a uh, uh, video place, video rental place. They still had those back then. Uh, but it had right. closed, or he gotten fired or something. Um, anyway, he didn't work there. And when he left, he had a box of videos. <laughs> I don't know if he stole them or what from the store. But he showed up uh, when he moved into our apartment. Um, it was me and a couple other people that lived there. And, and he hmm. had this box of, of really rare, bizarre um, horror movies. And L.A. AIDS Jabber was one of them. <laughs> what year was that? What year was that? This was 94? I don't know, 96 yeah. maybe? Yeah, yeah right around there. Do you, know, do you know up until, I don't know, a few years back that you could still occasionally find one of the original VHS copies on Amazon and they were from video stores that are now defunct selling their right. inventory. There's and yeah, uh, that's this. Uh, that I picked up this. one and gift, gift, gifted it to a friend, uh, but you know they're non-existent anymore. But I mean, that uh, do you remember what the name of the store was that you rented? Uh, uh, LA no, no, Park? he. I I can't remember. It was somewhere in Massachusetts. Okay. He was from Western Massachusetts. I went to college in Boston, okay. and he was okay. Springfield area or something like that. But anyway, okay. it had made it to Springfield, Mass. I, I know oh, that. Yeah. And, um, well, I sold a lot of it myself. You know, I literally got on the phone and talked with a lot of video really? stores. And I got mom and pops to buy it and then some of the bigger bigger uh, people too. But it, it had right. – one of the reasons why it's such a good collector's item is because it's got 
such little exposure out there that it's like a fresh, brand new film. I mean, it's nothing that, Absolutely. that uh, people have really uh, seen there. So it's like a brand new release. And secondly, uh, it's been reworked a little bit, you know, and it's new and improved version. Plus it's got all the interviews. I went back to LA latter part of last year and I found some of the actors that are still alive uh, and <laughs> did uh, uh, interviews with them. Uh, as I said, I did That's the awesome. Venom now, which is, which is which is cool as well. And then uh, uh, Rob the, uh, from Wild Eye Releasing sent his crew up to interview me about my thoughts and on and on and on. So, I mean, the, I, nice. my understanding is there's, there's as much back-end material on the DVD as there is the movie itself. So you're getting like a, no, two, a, a two for, you know, two for one. So that's good. That's fantastic. You know, it, it, I also want to mention um, uh, while we're yeah. talking – Phenomenal yeah. soundtrack. Like I said, I was watching the movie the other day, and my right. wife had walked through, saw the spine, and then a little bit later, she comes back through the living room, and she's like, I thought you were watching one of your movies. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, why are you watching, why are you listening to your music now? Because I like all this 80s electronic music stuff, modern right. electronic music. Right, right. Well, that's and, what it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. This guy, and this guy was I said, no, I'm still the watching the did... movie. Yeah, but it was great. It's a great soundtrack. The guy that did the music originally was a professional film editor in Hollywood. But what he wanted yeah. to do was he wanted to do projects on the side, so he didn't use his real name. So oh, okay. I was able to get his services at a reasonable price because he wanted to do something low budget like this. But because he was in the union, I'm sure he didn't want to associate himself with the project. Right. He thought that you know it was below his his grade, which some people might might think that, and that's okay. So, But whatever it was, he did the music and he did the original editing on it and did a, a fabulous job and I think charged me something like 600 bucks for it, which was like nothing back in the, in the day. Wow. And I saw him over a series of weeks and, you know, we'd, we'd go through the footage and, and he'd put it together. So that music, you know, I have to give him credit for it, but it's, it's distinctly 80s and 90s music. I mean, it's got that oh, kind of electronic... And then the hairstyles, yeah. and then the, the the girls with the padded uh, shoulders, and and the mullet, yeah. the guy with the mullet that that's sitting there on the sofa with the uh, with the mm-hmm. with the boombox, you know. I mean, it's like uh, oh yeah, hilarious, hilarious. But you know, even it's funny boss, because even his boss, I had that well, boss. I'll, you know, I saw that guy that was playing the yeah, boss, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that, well, that was Mr. I, 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 I remember him. I worked for that guy. I worked for oh, that man. Oh really? And he allowed me to use his place for shooting that I was a manager of doing something. He allowed me to use his place. And I said, well, would you be willing to be in the uh, movie as well? And he said, sure. So thanks to him and credit be given to him, I was allowed to do that. So it's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's amazing, Jamie, how all these people, they tend to, the universe tends to, to, to put them all together and they all, you know, coalesce at the same time to bring a project together. I mean, like, little did I know that the film camera breaking down, and there is a hundred feet of film out there somewhere from the original movie, and I mm. wish I could lay my hands on it, but i got no idea where it is. That would be a nice addition to put on the back of the film. But the interesting story is no, did- if, if it had been shot film, 16 millimeter, and, and whether it was kept 16 to go to art houses or blown to 35 or that attempt attempt to put it in small town theaters or something. The bottom line is 
since it wasn't, it allows the movie now, 30 years later, to be discovered by people that like the shot on video stuff. So it's not... Uh, right. It's, and then, you know, my, my history, just, just I don't want to keep going on about myself, but my history was acting. I was in some real classics like Blood Diner, directed mm-hmm. by Jackie Kong, Evil Spawn, directed by Fred Olin Ray. I think everybody knows Fred Olin Ray. Another one called Deep mm-hmm. Space by Fred Olin Ray, and just a number of these mm-hmm. horror movies. So, um, you know, I think that the genre is just wonderful. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www. Dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Toussaint from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS. That's R-O-X-X for 10% off your first order. Remember, T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books, uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, The Quotable Edison, Quotable Henry Ford, uh, Quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course, The Quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool. Um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAlbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out. Folks. I think oh, the absolutely. genre of, of horror slash thriller or whatever is just 
it's 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 just it's a wonderful genre. And I mean, there are millions of people that love these type of movies. So it's but the nice thing is absolutely. It's, it's the it's the original, and it's had such little exposure out there that the people that are seeing it now, it's like they're seeing it's it for fresh. the first time because these video stores yeah. aren't around anymore, and it didn't have wide distribution oh, yeah. video stores. So, you know, so anyway, and it, that's – And there are all kinds of interesting stories behind it. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. I can see somebody – I can see a young person watching this today. You know, they, they're, they're – yes. hey, let's yes. watch this. It's Friday night. We're all hanging out. You know, let's, let's, yeah. let's watch a scary movie. Oh, I've got this great retro. They, they filmed it. It looks retro. It's amazing how retro this looks. Yeah. You know? Oh, um, yeah. Absolutely. It must have cost them a fortune well, to film it. Like, you know, they well, don't Well, it is what it but, is. And, 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 you know, what the interesting thing is, I understand there are people trying to make movies like this now that have mm-hmm. that kind of a look. But, you know, uh, and to Rob, Rob Hostel's credit, again, People can try to create that look, but it's much and, – and successful with it, sure. But isn't it much better to get something from the horse's mouth that was originally shot back Absolutely. then? Absolutely. It's got these wild stories. You know, listen, we were running down the middle of the street with live weapons. <laughs> Gorilla filming. I love it. Not, not loaded. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think one of the actors – one of their family members was a policeman or policewoman or something, and they had access to a weapon. Of course, the weapon was unloaded. We would never have a loaded weapon. So here we are right. running down the street with these things. My God, if we had been caught, I probably would have been in jail. You know, I mean, Oh, yeah, just, three to five. Uh, <laughs> three to three five. To five. Yeah. Three to five. And, you know, we just uh, – I don't think we ever had an encounter like that. We did a scene on uh, in Hollywood on Melrose where – our our bad guy Jeff Roberts uh, runs into this young couple and they go flying up against the wall. You know, I mean, if there had been injuries mm. on that set, oh my oh, god! Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, here we are in the middle. That would have been paperwork for days. <laughs> days. Right. So okay. what? So well, we was, need to, you quick. know, we need to screen it out. And, oh man, yeah. I wouldn't even. Want... So it, it it was done in a series of weekends mostly and. Uh, very little in the way of pickup shots. I mean, what you see is what we got, good or bad or indifferent. But the nice thing is it's a snapshot of a time period gone by. Hopefully it'll never happen again. Uh, and as it relates to the COVID thing, there's a direct correlation there between what's going on now and what, what was happening then um, with AIDS. And the, so twist, it's, it's some, the twist that you mentioned, mm-hmm. the ending, is yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. Um, because yeah. you're watching the movie and you're, you know, it, it, it's weird because at first the journey you took people on with Jeff is, you know, you felt bad for the guy at first. You're like, holy moly, yeah. how would I react? Yeah. What would I do in this yeah. situation? And you, 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 you have empathy with them. And then, and you then know, what, I don't know if it was with the, hell's going the on, prostitute. Right? Right. Then, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. start going, Absolutely. I don't yeah. know, Jeff's kind of out there. And, yeah, uh, Jeff is, is and the very out there. Absolutely. No, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, the thing I think that's so interesting, Jamie, is we see him. And much credit to this actor, Jason Magic, a wonderful young actor. I mean, I was blessed to, to mm. be able to, to come across this man because he was in a lot of good TV shows. I think he was in 90210 and a couple mm-hmm. uh, made guest spots on that. So he was doing very, very well. And this offered him kind of a a venue to work where he was able to, um, you know, kind of be the, 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 the starring, it was a starring vehicle for him, even though it was what it was. And, and so, right. um, 
that is good. But he was able to bring to it at his age, at his young tender age, under 20, he was able to bring to it a sense of, you know, I'm losing it here. I was just told by a doctor I have this death sentence because it was nothing. No no cocktails at that point of, of drugs that could right. keep that thing in the No, you were just dropping like flies. So uh, right. he was able to bring that urgency and that sense of distress to it, and that kind of like permeated his entire character throughout the movie. So that never left, although there were glimpses of him having compassion when he's in the back seat of the car and he's going to stick that news reporter and he doesn't do it because right. he knows that she right. cares about him, and even though he's on his way out, she's going to try to do something she can for him. You know, he could easily stick her, but he didn't do it. So there's a real kind of psychotic behavior on his part. So that's what kind of makes it kind of interesting and watchable. Because you know oh, what's coming around the In the beginning yeah. of the movie, in the beginning of the movie, before he finds out, before the diagnosis um, in the, right. the chiropractor's office, um, he's, he's with his girlfriend in the car. I, I think it was his girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. They're, they're having their interaction and, um, you know, talking about him feeling under the weather and whatnot. And then he, right. he just snaps on a, turns on a dime, you know, drive mm-hmm. me home right now, you know, just very forceful and very, you know, kind of cringy. You're like, ah, what a, what a this guy. <laughs> you know? yeah, don't burn the meatloaf, no. honey. Don't burn the meat. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. No, it's 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 just absolutely, it's wild. And, and so um, it's something that uh, I think that, uh, I think the audience will really get a kick out of this because this is something that oh, yeah. I think has got u- universal appeal. For those people that don't know about AIDS, they'll learn about it quickly and they'll see that there's a direct correlation between what's going on in our world. Now, there was no lockdown, but maybe what there was was a lockdown of people's zippers. <laughs> because, oh, absolutely. You know. They're absolutely what I'm telling you. Absolutely. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I know people that we were know. having an unsafe sex at that time too. So it just you know but the oh, the thing yeah. I like to the thing I like to say about it is that I was not interested in putting anybody down. Because it right. was back then right. it was a thing where there was a lot of fear and everything being directed at gay people and things like that. And that was uncalled for because this was a you know, who cares what somebody does in their own personal life, number one. But number two, this was a, a thing that even though it wasn't being publicized as much, it was affecting everybody, just like COVID. It knows no bounds. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it sees a human body. It was body a weird time. Okay, there's a host. Yeah, it was a weird time. It was, it was a, a weird time. time. People, at, at the same time, people, you know, the, the crack thing was happening, and people were like, oh, right. well, you know, if you look at somebody who smoked crack, you're going to get addicted. Um, so right. everything was, was sex, fun. Anything that was fun was mm-hmm. bad for you. You know, rock music was right. satanic. <laughs> you know, right. every day. It was just right. crazy. And, and I, you know, it's funny because we look back on that and we're like, oh, what a zany, you know, uh, how crazy. But it really wasn't that long ago. <laughs> you know, it mm-hmm. really wasn't. Right. Everything's so different. It's really yeah. different. Um well, you know, well, when you're my age, example, mm-hmm. no ahead. cell phones in this movie. Nobody had a nobody Absolutely. had a cell phone. Yeah. Nobody uh, had cell phones. There, well, no there phone. were cell phones. There were cell phones, but they were like the size of these army walkie-talkies they used to have in World War Two. Yeah, the big GI. That was the size. Yeah. So yeah, and and I uh, had a friend that had one of those, and he had to literally carry a suitcase around with a battery in it. You know, I mean, yep. it's just it's, it's 
Yeah, I mean that was a. And they were expensive. That was your, they, they were did, super expensive Yeah, they were. And they, too. they had they had they had car uh, uh, phones. I had one of those in the late eighties, yeah. but it was like My dad thirty cents a minute or thirty cents yeah. a minute or something was, like that when you wanted to call. You know, forget this unlimited stuff. You know, unlimited if you've oh. got uh, a bank account or a wallet full of hundred dollar bills, then it's unlimited. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when my dad got that, he showed it to me, right. and it had, no, folks, this wasn't, a, you know, you're like, yeah, he's in a car with a phone. What's the big deal? No, you have to understand, my father's, and I'm sure Drew's was probably the same way, had the cord coil, you know, like you had in your kitchen, in the car right. to the headset. You had a cord to it. And so I remember my dad showed it to me, and I'm like, well, who are you, Dantana from Vegas? What do you need a phone in your car for? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, uh, no, it's just, it, it's incredible. So that's, uh, just pardon me, I'm just uh, marking something down here real quick. Sorry about all that noise. No, I'm, not no planet, uh, uh, I'm not on planet, I'm not on planet something, so. But um, oh, I think that. Oh, this whole week's uh, been crazy. Here, our neighbors are having flooring installed, and uh, they decided to uh, cut the uh, uh, the flooring in the garage. So the whole week I've been getting tweets and texts and all kinds of stuff from people going, what is it, a saw in the background? What's happening? What is happening? Oh, we, oh man, Drew's call dropped. Drew's call. Well, you know what? We're at the end of the show anyway. Anyway, Drew, I'm sure you'll hear this on the playback and whatnot. You're a genius, man. You're a genius. This film, it relates today, like he said, you know, with the COVID stuff happening, um, there, there was hysteria at the time when this was filmed. There definitely was, folks. And um, I know it sounds like, oh, listen to these guys, these old guys, you know, talking about back in the... Well, that's, we lived that, man. It was happening. It was happening. People were crazy. Um, and this was the first patro- uh, you know, antagonist, I guess you would say, uh, it, it would be the technical term, that used this fear and, and this vehicle as, as his murder weapon, you know, as his, you know what? I'm sorry. Somebody would have. Oh, no worries. Drew. I'm, no worries. I thought I'm sorry. I, got, it, I don't back. No, I'm, I'm, I'm back. Are, are you okay with continuing or, or did you? Oh yeah, were yeah, you absolutely. Interested? Okay. I'm sorry. No, I, I pressed the wrong button and, and uh, I was trying to make a note to myself about something. So I, I profusely apologize. Please accept my apologies. No, you're fine. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old, you know. You this stuff I'm happens. You. You know? It's like, whoa, I'm what's you. going on? You know, it's like but the fingers don't do the walking like they used to. You know, there used to be something no. in the old stages, you know. Let your fingers do the walking, you know, whatever. That's right. Yeah. That's, so anyway, where where, where, where were anymore? we before I so rudely disconnected? Where were we? Oh, I I don't know. We were talking about how crazy all this was. No, but I wanted to say sure. you were a genius. This is this was the first bad guy that I can remember. This film in this film that used this fear and this this, this terrible thing that was going on uh, with the AIDS as as his vehicle, as his vehicle of, of mayhem. Um, yeah. You know, Jason had a machete. This guy had a syringe in his blood. And people, I'm telling you right now, people were scared about this type of thing. This was the the boogeyman. This was the boogeyman. And um, 
You know, it yeah, was. Yeah, uh, who knew where? Who knew where he was going to strike? And by the way, one of the things I did on the back end, Danny, uh, uh, was this: I went ahead and went to the place where I bought the original props. It's on Hollywood Boulevard. It's still there. It's been there for over fifty really? years. And I, I went in and I found the area where I got the needle and where I got the gun, a couple uh, of uh, uh, spare guns and, and other things like that. And so um, they were nice enough to let me come in and to film them. And I asked the guy a couple of questions, you know, they've been in business 50 years. So, you know, there's an interesting story. So I went back to that place and obviously, uh, you know, did a, a very quick, you know, voiceover narration and interview with the people in there. And, you know, so people will know where I got those um things that's and, amazing and a lot of in a lot of the locations as well how i got those i knew a guy that i had worked for one time as well and we did the original scenes in there this guy is now passed it was nice enough to let me use his office but where we shot the detective stuff whether the detective or in the squad room mm-hmm. that was in his office so i went back i couldn't get into the office, but what I did is I took an interesting shot and did a voiceover narration about all this from the streets. That building is still there. The, nice. There's also something There's also something uh, on the back. Can I uh, put you on hold just a quick second? Sure, yeah. sure. Go ahead. Okay, hang on. Great. Crazy, folks. Crazy. Yeah, this was this a great movie. And you got to watch it, and you can pick it up now, and you can get the don't, you know, if you want to stream it, yeah, that's great and everything. But you, you want to get the Blu-ray. You want to get the DVD of it um, because it comes with all these extras. And it's just a really, really cool package. Matter of fact, on our show page, um, you know, we have the images that scroll you through and whatnot. The the There's one of yeah. the images <laughs> of everything you get with this. It's a really nice package. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Drew. Feeling you. Uh, hang, hang on just a sec. Uh, um, Hey, I've sure. got the uh, the guy here that's looking at the heat. Yeah, you feel how warm it is in here? The thermostat. Um, I'm, Jamie, uh, can I put you on hold just one sec, buddy? Hang on. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm sorry. Hang, hang on. No worries. Well, there you go, folks. See, and that's what's cool about live podcasting, too, is because you're getting a glimpse behind the curtain of all the zaniness that goes on. <laughs> you know, these are people. So, and I want to say this, too. This is an independent, true independent film project. Like like Drew was saying, they're, they're shooting this, you know, on the on the fly sometimes, you know, and uh, maybe on the fly a little bit. And you know, I'm I'm not in the movie business. I'm not in the movie business, but I know plenty of people who are. And really, a lot of independent film gets filmed this way, even to this day. Even to this day, you're dealing with actors and whatnot that are working on different projects, and you know. You may have a lead actor or an actress or something, and they're working on another project, and they're like, oh, we love your red hair, but we need a blonde. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> bigger check wins. Hey, your I'm, uh, I'm back. I'm sorry about that. I, hey, oh, I'm no back. Worries, I, uh, no worries, I had a problem with the, uh, with the heat staying on here, and it's hot. It's running about 85 oh. degrees in here where I'm living oh, man. all day round. And I don't have air oh, right now, God. so uh, you know That's it's like good. a sauna and it's it's humid. Yeah, so uh, I just oh. let the guy in that uh, is looking at it. So I told him I was involved I in the under- podcast here, but uh, yeah, I I'm understand, sure you know Drew. Like. We have we've had the RAC, and ours is only like I don't know five six years old, something like that. Um, when we had it put right. in, which is you know mm-hmm. I, I I don't know you spend 
$15,000 on something, I want it to run for five yeah. years. You know, I don't want to have that. Uh, my thought, ab- yeah, I'm just an old man, absolutely. you know. But... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that, uh, I think that uh, you know, this is great. Uh, how long have you been in the podcast business? You know, it's funny. I've been doing this now, God, six years? Six years? Okay. This episode, I don't know, 1,300 or something. It's something crazy. You know, when Good I started you. doing it, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. thought I would do like, I don't know, 50, my friend talked me into it. I knew nothing about this. And uh, he uh, talked me into it, and I, I thought, well, I'll do 10 or 15 of these, and then, you know, something else will pique my interest. Here we are. Like I said, this mm-hmm. is episode 1200 and something, you know, it, isn't but it I'm, nice I'm that guy, now. Drew, I'm that guy, whenever I do anything, but, I turn it into a business and, you know, I'm like, it's got to at least pay for itself. But get, well, good for you, but guess what? Isn't it nice now that there are all these venues that, that people oh, can, yeah. like, for instance, for, for young filmmakers that want to start out making something, you can use an iPhone, for God's sakes, you can, you can shoot yeah, something good. now and. People don't even know you're really shooting something. And if, you can, and if you know how to edit oh. something, they've got something uh, called uh, the cinematic look on these new iPhones. And, I mean, it's very difficult to discern. I mean, for the discerning eye, to somebody that's professional, they know. But other than that, most people right. looking at it. And, you know, all these venues to stream and to release, that's the nice thing because it, it gives these people that are creative and have ideas. I mean, if these venues were open to me, Back in the day, 30 years ago, I mean, it would have made a, a world of difference in so far as generating revenue and future projects and people oh, yeah. having interest in it and so forth. Well, but hey, it, it's even better now because it didn't exist those venues. So now oh, people no. have a chance to but see you know, something that they've never seen before. You know? Absolutely. I was just talking to a friend of mine about who's an independent filmmaker, and and he he was we were talking about this very topic. And mm-hmm. he was saying, he goes, you know, 15 years, 10 years ago, really, uh, right. pre-drone, if you wanted those big sweeping shots, you know, you right. had to hire a helicopter or something. You know, I mean, it wasn't Absolutely. cheap or easy to do. He goes, now you have a guy, you have some kid show up, <laughs> and he yeah. just flies over. And there's, old, there's no crane or anything. With, you know? A 13 yeah, yeah, a thirteen-year-old kid with pip- pimples on his face, and you know, you you mm-hmm. buy him a soda, and he'll do it. Let me tell you a story about the. Uh, there's an aerial shot where you hear a oh over L.A. at night. Yeah, there's a it's from a, a high top of a building. Let me tell you how we got into that building. Uh, we had a professional-looking camera uh, on one of these shots that we borrowed, and we walked in, and we said we were from a news crew. We I think we said we were from CNN. <laughs> And this was one of these big, tall buildings in downtown L.A. I won't tell you which one, but it, the interesting story on that was we walked up. These three security guys were on the counter, and they said, yes, uh, can we help you? And we said, well, we're, we're, uh, we're from CNN or, or some other network. And then with this camera, you know, people just assume that you, you are. Right. And, you know, I had a mic, mic in my hand, and I said, can we – would you allow us to go top of the building? We need a, we need a, a wide-sweeping shot of L.A. to intro the story. And they said, sure, we'll take you up there. So we went up there. Oh, God, who knows how many stories it was. I think 32 stories. It was one of the, the few tall skyscrapers in L.A. And they allowed us to uh, stand up there on this roof right where the Gila a podcast was. And right over at the edge there, and we did this big sweeping shot of uh, 
of L.A., which, of course, was edited <laughs> in. But otherwise, I, w- I would never have been able to get a sweeping shot. But now, as you said, kids with a drone could do that. So this is a kind of an interesting right. story. And that's also in the back end. I think I, I, I referenced the building. I don't know if I show it up close, but it's something that, you know, so we took, we took chances. Not only that, I could have fallen over the edge of that building. I mean, oh, we were that close. Windy, you know, were windy, up, windy up there. It's windy up there. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that's, and so well, we, were, we were kind of patting ourselves on the back that we got away with that. And, uh, but, you know, the funny thing I'm telling you, Drew, mm-hmm. these stories that you're telling, this yeah. is a movie. I, this could be pitched as a movie unto itself, just making this film. You know, I mean, yeah. here you are in a tragic situation. Your wife has passed. Yeah. Uh, you got yeah. a little boy, you know, and, and right. you, you, you're trying to do. We're something. living in a rundown so, motel, by by. We're running, living yeah. in a rundown motel, by the way, because I initially had used any savings I had from acting to support right. myself and my son, and then I lost my house because I didn't have the money for the mortgage, uh, uh, right. because I wasn't doing the acting. And then, based on, hang on, just a, a quick sec. Can I put you on hold just a, sure, a second here? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, see, folks, and that's what I'm talking about, the spirit of independent film. And even to this day, when you see, this is why I get excited when I see independent film. You know, yeah, it's not going to be a Disney Marvel thing. I I get that. I know that going in. I'm not expecting that. But what I am expecting is the the blood, sweat, and tears of of people, you know, in, in these crazy situations that makes something, that makes something, and makes something cool. Tell a story, take me someplace. And uh, there's a spirit to that that, uh, that gets me excited. I get excited about that. Um, now, again, I'm not in the movie business. I, uh, other than my little podcast, you know, we do a little promo for some people, help them out maybe, get the word out a little bit. But other than that, I'm not in this. I am a civilian. I am I, – I, I am a cinephile. I will admit, I, I like movies. I'm that guy. Always have been. But, um, you know, I get excited with independent films. I really do. And because I know, because I, I've talked to enough people, I've talked to enough people that have been doing this, that this kind of stuff is, you know, that's a Tuesday on an independent. Yeah, we, we BS our way into the building to get the shot. <laughs> that still happens. You know, I've been there. I've been on set with friends, and what did happen? <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's crazy. It's it's Hello. crazy. Hello. Hey, he's back. He's back. Is, back. It, is it yeah, a good we, news? No, was it's good not. news on the, the, uh, the unit? Nature, no, because I'm in an old house. This house was built in 1830, okay. uh, and it's got these very thick walls, and it's supposed to. The heat and everything is supposed to stay in in the wintertime. How they built them was they built them right. to maintain the heat in the wintertime and then in the summertime to absorb any heat, mm. and, you know, and stay cool on the inside. Because it's cool at night, yeah. yeah well, yeah, oh, but it's man. not cool in here. And so what the guy is telling me is it's got to be – I'm going to have to just run some fans in here and find a way to get, I guess, a freestanding uh, – one of the air conditioners, you cut a hole in the window or something. I don't know, but we've got to worry about that at another time. But what's more important is getting back <laughs> to you and, tell, and telling you that there are stories. There are stories behind the making of this movie and how it came together and how it almost didn't come together. You know, some people, 
they would have just given up when the film camera broke. I mean, I had a 16-millimeter oh, Blue U camera. 16-millimeter Blue U camera. 99.99% of people would have given up, Drew. Yeah, <laughs> the majority yeah, so. of people would have said, I'm going to go sell cars or insurance or encyclopedias yeah, or something. You know? Exactly. And so what uh, I did is and then I lost all these. I lost all these things. I ended up living in a small, really cheap, run-down, not really run-down, but, but a motel room near downtown Los Angeles with my two-year-old son. And this was a kind of a rent-by-a-week uh, hotel. Right, right. And they allowed me to stay, this elderly couple, because they knew I was taking care of my son, and I wanted him with me at all times because I had no family really to take care of him. So here's what I did. I found a job where I could bring him to work with me in this place the guy that plays that boss guy was nice enough to let me bring my son during the day with me to work and i would entertain him right. with stuff to use crayons you're talking about a three-year-old boy so i mean right. thank god for that right. and then at one point we moved into an office building he and i in this old office building near macarthur <laughs> park in la and yeah. i had a fold-out sofa love seat that we would sleep on at night and to give him a bath, I got one of these kitty tubs, and I would cart water up from the floor below and then put it in there so that I could get him clean to go to school the next day. And the security guard wow. at night knew knew that I was living there basically illegally, that I had no other place right. to live, and he looked the other way. He just allowed us to stay there for the few months that we were there. What so, a man. I mean, I've been What I've a been nice blessed. guy. But all these stories that surround the making of this movie, as you say, it's a... It's a movie in itself, and that's why it really is. this is something. It's a snapshot of the times, not only of the times of the making of the movie, but the stories behind it, and at the same time, um, the actual locations. And then to be blessed with a guy like Rob from Wild Eye and his great team of people to come in and resurrect this thing 30 years after. Now, let me tell you how that happened. This is really strange. I did a promo for Lionsgate, you know, the big movie company, in mm-hmm. 2016. Mm-hmm. Jackie Kong, the director of Blood Diner, called me and she said, Drew, would you be willing to do a little promo spot for Lionsgate? They had just purchased this Blood Diner, and we're going to go ahead and release it as well as doing a convention across the country for horror fans that I didn't go to because uh, I wasn't able to do right. that. But long story short, she said, well, will you do that? And I said, sure. That thing is still on YouTube in 2016. Oh, a I friend called it. me a few months ago, and he says, hey, do you know that Lionsgate thing you did where you come crashing through the door as Uncle Anwar? I said, you've got to be kidding. Well, <laughs> what happened is this. That is interesting because that is – that movie's another story. But so all these things lead – you know, it's like everything leads to the place – I think the producer – of that segment who came out from New York to film that. We filmed that in Prescott, Arizona in a nice hotel somewhere, nice antique hotel. Mm -hmm. Rob somehow knew her or somebody knew her that knew Rob, was in contact with Rob. Rob said, yeah, that might be an interesting idea. He contacted me. This thing had been sitting for 30 years collecting dust on the shelf. So as a result of that and the timing of the pandemic, I wasn't going to do anything with it. I was going to go to my grave and just say, well, you know, I... I feel good because I, I did this. something. I put it, put it out in the world, and so right. let it, let it be what it is, and be done with it. And sure, here we are again. So thank God, you know. I mean, it's great. But the nice thing is, it'll give some educational value, I think, to people about um, 
what type of time frame that was, and you lived through that. But secondly, hopefully it'll be an inspiration for kids that are out there making stuff now that mm. maybe are thinking about doing a gorilla, that the opportunity exists and it's so much easier to do it. You can just get a camera right. and you can go out and make, make, make a movie and, and, and put it out yourself. I mean, that is open it, to it is amazing. It is amazing. Back uh, then, you, back then you couldn't do it. Back then you had no, two options. it was hard. The way I did. Yeah. HBO or somewhere like that, you had the option of, or video. Right. Those were the options. And, and what I had yeah. was not going to be picked up by HBO. They didn't want to touch a subject like that. But video mm-hmm. stores, mm-hmm. what the F? What, what, what's it called? Jabber? What, what's the premise? Are you kidding me? Yeah, send me a copy. You know? Absolutely. Because I knew people I, would I, rent that. They yeah. would see it on the shelf and they would rent it, you know? And it, yeah. was, it was a win for them. It's, it's and it, amazing. It, 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 and, it, and people can get it I was today. Say, it, it, yeah, and it turned oh, off people oh, too. Yeah. There, there oh, was some yeah, story that said, are you, are you kidding? I'm not going to. What? Oh, come on now. Give me a break. But you know what? Listen, every dog has its day. And this is a situation mm-hmm. where uh, I think people are going to be fascinated to watch this thing. I think they're going to say, what is this? What is, what's the correlation? You know, what's this all about? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's about L.A. It's about L.A. in that time frame. a calmer, gentler L.A., not like Mad Max now. It's a look at the, 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 the terrifying horror surrounding. You know, we did a shot uh, in front of a police station with our reporter that we were not mm. probably would not have been allowed to do if we'd gone in and asked. Can we shoot a scene in front of your uh, building? We also did better, it in front of a better TV. Better to ask for front... forgiveness and permission. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hear yeah. you. What are they going to do 30, 30 years after the fact? Come and arrest me? I don't think it, it's okay. It's a public domain anyway. But I mean, the same thing with the uh, with the TV station. She was standing out front of the TV. I think KHJ TV, which is Channel Nine pretending she was a reporter out there, you know, and we were able to get away with it. So it's like all these things miraculously came together. You know, we did the scene where you see the the cops come speeding out of the parking lot, you know, once they get a call for Uh this kid has stuffed somebody else. Well, that was a formerly a Winchell's donut shop. They're basically, I think now, I think there are one or two left in the LA area. When I went back, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's now some kind of insurance company that are using the same type of donut sign, but with their logo on it, and the building's all boarded up. I mean, it's just, you know, wow. So it's like, it's a fascinating look at how areas change and all of that stuff. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I encourage Please. everybody to, to go out and buy this thing and pay for my assisted living. Please. <laughs> oh. There you go. There you go. And the thing is, you know, yeah. that's what I wanted to tell people, too. We're, we're coming in. Yes. You know, yes, we're in the hot of hot summer. I get it. I get it. It's going to be Halloween mm-hmm. before you know it. And this is absolutely a great movie for your movie. When everybody has Halloween parties, you put on some cool movies. Yeah. This is one that's going to be absolutely. played at our Halloween party. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's no Academy it's Award winner. I'll be honest. This is not – didn't come but up for Academy Awards. But that's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Right. And it's a shocking, shocking look at what happened. And it's like, but it's something everybody can enjoy. Many different vantage points. Absolutely. You know, you sit down with a group of people. Absolutely. Give give me another one of those beers, you know. Let's watch that scene again, you know. I mean, (laughs) we have a beautiful girl in there that uh, 
It's got a low-cut laundry. There's a story about that. Let me tell you real quick. The girl, the actress, her name was Susan Parra, and I tried to look her Uh up. I couldn't, couldn't find her anywhere. I wanted to interview her. Beautiful. She's in the scene where he goes in and she plays the prostitute. Right, well, right. That, in the black that is the that's the hotel room number one that I was staying in once I lost my house <laughs> and I was writing the movie. That's the place I was staying in for a while with my son. So wow. that is something that's and so we use that as a matter of fact the guy that got out of the bed that we didn't see, that was me, because the actor mm-hmm. that was supposed to do that, that she kicked out, didn't show up. So I had yeah. to get under the covers, do it myself. But her husband, yeah. her husband was the guy who was playing the security guard or, or cop there at the door in the uniform. Mm. He, wasn't, he mm-hmm. wasn't letting her out of his sight because she's so beautiful. He was concerned. And I don't blame him. Right, I mean, the and guy she's wearing the, the hotel manager. <laughs> the guy that played the hotel manager, he was our cinematographer for the video. We needed a guy to stand really? in there. So some of so some of these scenes we made up on the way. We needed, well, we need another person there. Okay, well, come on, you know, take your headset off. Get over here, right? You know, so that's uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of stuff like that. So that's like, uh, you know, a core group of people make this uh, this thing, you know. So it's, it's kind of kind of cool. So that's, that's what awesome. that, uh, that's, yeah, isn't that interesting? That's so, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So oh, man, it's true. You are so cool. Yeah. You are so cool. Uh, my light's blinking at me. We got to run. But I, okay, um, yeah. man, I had so much fun talking to you. This is one of the more fun shows I've done. I uh, sure. Let's stay right in touch. Let's stay right in let's touch. I that. will do that with you after, uh, before we went on the air uh, as soon okay. as we get done here. And, right. um, yeah, let's stay right in touch because I want to I see how – I predict, Drew, I think you're going to have mm-hmm. to go to a bunch of these conventions and find DVDs or Blu-ray. Let's hope you know? so. Let's, let's, let's hope so. You know, that would be, that would be wonderful. And uh, uh, we'll call it the uh, L.A. AIDS Jabber Society or something. I don't know. There you go. But I think that, that would be great because I think that there's a lesson to be learned from all this. It's more than just a movie. It's about... Absolutely. What happened during that time period? And by the way, when does this podcast go out, or is it going out now live? Well, it, we were we we are live right now, but then we're gonna clean it up a little bit. Um, it'll be so, dropping probably about an hour, probably about an hour. It'll cool. be out today. Would, yeah. would, would you send me and a it'll link be everywhere. You get a chance, or? Okay. Oh, I, oh that's I'll wonderful. Tag you in everything. That's awesome. that's great. I, I I appreciate that. Well, listen then, let's. Uh, Let's then wrap it up, and I just want to thank you so much again, young man, for your uh, uh, for your support in this project, and uh, thank you for for telling me your stories as well about the the time in which you you grew up and about your first experience seeing it and, and all those things, oh, because yeah. that that then lets me know that that there are uh, you know that I'm not living in a bubble, that there are other people that are younger. Than no. you. May I ask you how old? May I ask how old you are? Oh yeah, I'm I'm pushing fifty, man. I'm pushing fifty. Well, you I can't believe it. You don't sound it. You sound like a youngster. So you're <laughs> of that generation, and you that you remember this stuff. So you were you oh, were right yeah. in that age of, of of college high school stuff, you know. Oh, absolutely. When this happened. Absolutely. Very cool. It was it was very cool. Ter- like I said, we discovered girls, and then they told us we can't. <laughs> you better not do anything. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna die. Exactly. You Oh, yeah, you, you discovered girls, but it would would have to be in magazines or something like that. Yeah, that was the extent, you know. Exactly. Or, or looking, yeah, there was no internet. Yeah. 
No, that's oh, absolutely right. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, great. Well, listen, thank you so very much Thanks for, so uh, much, reaching, Drew, for re- taking time. reaching out. And uh, let's just uh, let, let me know when we're off the air here, okay? Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, okay. just hold tight there, Drew. Folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We will be back um, next week. We've got a full week of shows. I know this month has been kind of weird because it was a couple weeks where we're only doing like two shows a week. Well, uh, that was the vacation, I guess, because we're back at it full steam, baby. Full steam. I, I think, what do we have next week? Five shows? Four or five? Four or five? I think five. Um, so, you know, what is happening is it's we're, we're the last month of summer we're going into, and, and everybody, you know, fall is the big push, is the big push. Um, so, you know, we've got a lot of stuff coming on, uh, not just movies, but also music people, et cetera, et cetera. So we will see you then. This episode, of course, will be converted to a podcast. We're going to push it out on all the very, uh, various social media platforms and on all the podcasts. We're on like 600 of them. It's crazy. It's crazy, I tell you. So be sure to, uh, you know, if, wherever you're listening to us. Oh, I want to say, too, we have links up. We have links where you can get this, uh, the collector's pack and whatnot. Um, Visual uh, Visual Vengeance uh, Video is the name of uh, Well by Releasing's new sister label, and they're handling uh, the distribution on this. We have links to everything, and those links, when it's converted to a podcast, they stay active. So you just click on it, and boom, you're there, baby. Boom, you're there. So very, very cool. Uh, so check that out, definitely. And also, also, if you're listening to the podcast, be sure... Uh, to, uh, you know, check out our advertisers and whatnot. They rock. They're all cool. Use their code. They all have a code. Save you a couple bucks. You know, so you can go over to Visual uh, Vengeance and, and pick up the, the, the Blu-ray. Very, very cool. Oh, and I, I have, a, I have a, a post-it here I'm supposed to be saying. Um, if you want to listen to uh, all of our podcasts and whatnot, and there's all kinds of other goodies, um, you sign up for the VIP at my website, uh, poprocksradio.com or jamierocks.us, and you can get uh, on my Patreon uh, for a monthly subscription. There's different levels of it, and they have different stuff. But across all the levels, you get all the podcasts commercial free. So, you know, if you want to, you know, be a muckety muck amongst the muckities, um, that's the way to do it, baby. That's the way to do it. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us. Everybody have a great weekend. Remember, the world is still weird. Be patient with people. Be nice. Um, you know, if, if it takes an extra couple minutes for you to get your your, your eggs at the diner, you know, they're short-staffed. Uh, be cool. That's all I'm saying. Be cool. Okay, we will see you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.